you know, sometimes the, we get kind of busy in life. And in this episode of Birdie's Not BS, I did just that. I tried to multitask, and guess what? I forgot to turn on my microphone. So you're going to get some really good audio from Cheyenne, and you're going to get some not-so-great audio from me. My bad. But we're only putting this episode out because the content was solid and the conversation was thought-provoking. So my bad. Enjoy this week's episode of Birdie's Not BS. What up, guys? We're back. Another episode. Birdie's Not BS. Doug's here. I'm here. What's happening? I don't know what we're about to talk about, but we're gonna make, we're gonna make this episode happen. You know what? Sometimes I feel like you know when they hear Birdie's Not BS, we sound so polished and clean. What I don't think a lot of people know is that we're not actually scripted um, at all. I, I mean, I think I hope it comes off good, shot. I, I, I mean, don't have script. Yeah, we we brainstorm for those of you, you know, you want to know behind the scenes of how we make the magic happen. We brainstorm some topics, we talk about current events, some tips you guys might want to hear about, but when it comes down to it, I mean, I just I just love having a conversation, you know, That's just it. talking about whatever comes up and if it works it works, if it doesn't, we'll try again next week. Absolutely. But you know what's talking about next week? Well, talk about last week. I listened to it, uh, I listened to our last episode after we chopped and cut it up. Um, our show is edited, for those that don't know. Um, some things are taken out and some things are left in. But at the end of the day, uh, you get what we left you with. But anyway, uh, I really enjoyed having Earl and Elijah Wan on, man. It, it, it was inspiring, man. They had my juices going, like, you know, to learn about Eastside Golf and learn about, you know, Elijah Wan trying to play golf and coming up with a logo to represent himself and, and then trying to be – I think that's – that's something that we all can take and something that we all can learn from. Yes, I'm so impressed by these guys. And I'm happy we're talking about them again because Eastside Golf is one of those brands that has just so organically grown and created a presence online and in the golf community. And I'm just so impressed these guys aren't just throwing together you know, t-shirts and look like they are putting a lot of thought behind it. You know, it's deeply rooted. The purpose is important and it's so good that we have guys like them and brands like Eastside that are now coming up in the game. It was so hard because today is Thursday and our podcast came out today that we recorded last week. So it was an interesting week, uh, especially today, this Thursday, as you're listening to this last Thursday, it was a good day for Eastside Golf. I'll be honest. They had, uh, you know, in the midst of the NBA striking, they had Chris Paul rocking the logo as he gave his speeches. And, I mean, what better way to let people know you out there than front and center on a controversial day, a controversial topic, and one of the most prolific players in the NBA is rocking your logo. Front and center. I saw that. You know, he was wearing the sweater. He was rocking the socks. I showed him, you know, gave some love on Instagram with that. But especially, you know, with everything going on right now, to have that in the forefront, black brand, two young guys really doing a lot for themselves and for the culture, for the game. Um, it's so important that, you know, we support each other. And for Chris, you know, he's taking a stance in the NBA and, and speaking on his truth and what they're standing for. And the combination of just those two, you know, supporting a black business um, and then also just having a voice. You know, it's really exciting to see Eastside a part of that. There's pros and cons about having a voice, you know, and, and we've seen that in the NBA. We've seen that in fan reaction, owner reactions. 
And I'm I'm just not gonna bullshit you. Today I got caught in an Instagram kind of scroll a thon. If you you ever get caught in that Instagram rabbit hole and it's like somehow you've lost thirty five minutes of your it's life easy and you're to like, do. What the hell? I didn't know what I was gonna do with this information. I took some screenshots. And, you know, golf.com posted Cameron Champs, you know, wearing two different color shoes representing who he is as a person, uh, both sides of the coin from, you know, from a racial equality standpoint at this moment in time. Uh, Cameron's a mixed guy, black guy, um, you know, mixed, uh, biracial, whatever you want to call, whatever, you know, whatever you want to be uh, uh, <laughs> identified as, right? I don't know. It's a biracial, mixed. I, I don't He's a man, right, at the end of the day. Yes. But he chose to kind of voice his opinion about social injustice. And as I'm scrolling through this golf.com, uh, you know, post, I got caught in the comments, Cheyenne. And I don't know if you read the mm. comments when people are hating or, or whatever, but this is, this is a comment that stood out to me. You're paid to play golf. No one cares what your stance is on anything. These athletes don't understand that they are gladiators of the Coliseum. Do this on your own time or run for office. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, basically, you know, the equivalent of what we heard when LeBron was speaking up, shut up and dribble, shut up, shut and, up dribble. and hit the golf ball, you know, we all have a platform. I don't care like who you are. You have the ability to communicate your thoughts and beliefs to any number of people in whatever way that you want to do it. That's a plat. That's the definition of a platform. So now that you got guys like, like Cam and, and Chris Paul and, and you and, and, you know, other people in your social circles, you can you can talk to your circles. You can say like, "Hey, this is this is some BS here. This is some things going on that I don't want to put up with." It's okay. It's okay, you know. But that's that's just one of the comments. Um, you know, I, I took a screenshot. I, 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 let me read like two more shots because it it just it, it it's interesting because another person says, "Play golf and keep out of it." There are two sides to every story. Whites also have a story. Stop politicizing sports. I don't want to hear opinions on race or politics. I'm here to watch golf and have a good time. Mm. <laughs> I don't want keep keep that shit that matters over there. I'm just trying to have this fun over here. And, and I, I really find it interesting that when you're pushing people to the edge of their comfort zone, the yes. response, the response, the flight or flight that kicks in and, and how they react. Yes. Um, you know, I went through a similar rabbit hole this morning. Um really happy the PJ Tour, you know, took a stance, made a statement. They're, you know, promoting Cameron Champ. Good. They put out a statement in solidarity with the other leagues and uh, athletes, uh, the protesting. And, you know, going and looking at the comments, whether it be Cameron Champ or just the PJ Tour statement, um, it's hard not for me to not be emotional, to not get angry, um, because we are not only athletes, we are humans. We have, you know, I'm biracial as well. I have a black father. I have black cousins, black family. When a lot of these athletes leave the court, leave the field, they're black men. And because they normally wear a jersey, that doesn't make them exempt from what is happening in the world right now. And I think that that's what people have to understand. It's not politics. It's not. I mean, these are human issues of, of things that are happening in the world that are affecting a lot of us. And yeah. whether you're black or white, you should care because we're all humans. And I mean, I don't know how you could justify what's happening. And it just makes me angry when people do try to justify. What's interesting is when, when a statement gets made, how, how either quick it spreads or how it falls on deaf ears. You know, so I want to talk about a friend of mine. Uh, 
you know, Maurice Allen. Maurice made an uh, inflammatory comment today, one that I really had to stop and think about and think through. Cheyenne, it might hit home for you, but I want to read Maurice's comment. It said, Dear Golf Media, please don't ask Harold Varner or Tiger Woods their thoughts on what's going on in Wisconsin. They do not share the opinions, nor do they speak for black people. Now, initially, what's, what's your thoughts there on Maurice's statements? Um, it definitely is controversial, you know. Um, most people don't come out and call people out by their names. That's it. Did you wake up to this today, to, to Maurice's statements? Did you hear from an outlet or somebody? How did you How did you come across this? I think I'd seen it either on Twitter or Instagram. But, um, you know, he has his opinions. Um, I, one, I don't like us then turning on each other, um, you know, and... I don't think no one person speaks for all black people. We all have opinions, but I do think it's important that black people are taking a stance for what's happening right now and have a voice. Um, I, I don't like calling, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm torn about it. You nice though, child. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm torn about it. What I don't appreciate in this statement was the fact that he kind of made Tiger and Harold on an island. He kind of weighted their blackness. Right. right. And 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 Maurice, I know you didn't mean to wait their blackness, but from my vantage point, Maurice, you're invited to come on Birdie's Not BS, sit down with us, let's talk it through. Um but what what I find interesting is I, I experienced that you know, growing up. You know, people waited my blackness. I played golf, I went to private school, I had both parents at home, so blacks would say I was the white boy and the whites would say I'm the black boy. So I lived in this this cultural purgatory, you know, growing up. And I wish I had more mixed friends. That would have been sweet. I'm, I'll be your friend. I would have fit right in being mixed. Like, <laughs> damn. Like, you know, but, you know, that's the thing. In, in this society, in our society, even our culture is blacks. It's like, you know, you can be, there's a spectrum that, that, that your blackness is on. Um, and unfortunately, other blacks kind of place you, you know, either to the left or the right or the middle of that spectrum. Right. You know, and I grew up, I'm mixed. I grew up, you know, in my white household with my mom and her side of the family a majority of the time. Um, and so, no, I totally get that kind of straddling the line of, you know, the white and the black and how are you perceived? You're either not black enough or you're white or you're too brown to be white. You don't quite blend in, whatever the case may be. What are you? What are you? Exactly. To, to black people. Like, what are you to black? Not black. The hell are you talking about? Like, one drop rule, I'm black. Right, right. And and so, again, getting back to what Maurice had said about Tiger and Harold, um, I also think it's dangerous. I know I'm frustrated. I want to see everybody speaking out. I want to see everybody posting and this and that. But at the same time, I think it's dangerous to hold people to that responsibility to have to say something and to have to say quote-unquote the right thing everyone didn't grow up like we did and we didn't grow up how they did we might not agree with what they say you know there's some statements that you know tiger or harold or whoever the person might be that i don't necessarily agree with the whole thing but we also have to just understand they're coming from, I guess, a, a different point of view. And both of them have their foundations that give back to the community. They're doing so much for the golf world. Um, in this case, we might not all agree with each other. Personally, I just don't like us calling each other out by name. Do I think Maurice calling out Tiger and Harold was wrong? I do. Do I understand what he was trying to say? Of course. 
So I don't want to seem like I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but I am on this particular part, topic. Because what Maurice is saying to me from my vantage point is simply, why don't y'all talk to some other people and not consistently rely on these two? Yes, they have full status. Harold and Tiger are full status card carrying members of the PGA Tour. And we get that. What Maurice is saying is let's hear from some other people. Who else do you have? And are you not frustrated by now that it's just Harold and Tiger that you have to ask these kinds of questions to? Every single time. Right. And I get that. I, I wish he would have said that a little different, but like the point is, isn't there other people that you can get to weigh in on this topic that might have a more polarizing or might have a, a larger um, statement than Tiger can make? Because Tiger and Harold uh, may be a touch removed from some of the struggle that, that we're facing given where they sit in the socioeconomic uh, landscape. I mean, I just think too, like you said, that when you look at the PGA Tour, yes, you have Tiger Woods, you have Harold Varner, you have Cameron Champ, you have Joseph Bramlett. Of course, you know, Tiger and Harold might be the most well-known currently, but there are so many other people that you could reach out to for a comment that are in the golf industry that people would want to hear about. Or how about asking a white person? Um, right. You know, there are no, there are not a lot of black people in golf, but everybody has an opinion about this, and and it's tough when that you are constantly seeing the same people interviewed. Ask Kevin Kissner how he feels about yeah. this shit. You, you know, know what, what I did like... love? I did love the story the PGA Tour did about Kirk Triplett. Um, you know, he's love got Kirk the Triplett. Black Lives Matter sticker on his golf bag, and you're you're getting a backstory of his family. He has a black son. And he's relating to these issues and seeing them from a totally different perspective. I think those stories are so great and so relatable just to hear that that human side of what people are going through, whether you're black or white, just being able to connect to this issue on different levels. I just don't like the fact that you got Cameron Champ, you know, saying this piece and you got haters just coming out of nowhere and talking shit. Let me tell you something, white people. You cannot speak to my African-American experience. I can't even speak to your experience. And black folk, you can't speak to my African-American experience. I have been to golf courses that would not open the gate for me to get into the tournament as a junior golfer in the state of Kentucky. That mm -hmm. happened to me. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to walk into the members-only locker room and people look at you. You know what it's like to go into the men's grill shot. It's the same damn feeling on the inside. It's the same damn feeling. I don't care. And I'm not going to be political or none of that shit. What we got to do is come together. We got to have some hard-ass conversations. First person I want to talk to, and be honest with you, I want to talk to Charles Howell. I don't know if you've watched and or seen what Charles Howell has been posting and relaying to, to the golf world. But we got to get him on Birdie's Not BS to have a conversation because Charles Howell in this moment is advocating with the advocates yep. for more representation from black and brown people in the PGA. I just got goosebumps because I know what you're talking about and it totally caught me off guard, you know, to see somebody, Charles Howell, he's not necessarily like a headliner in the recent days, but he has a huge presence still in the golf world and for him to get behind the Advocates Tour, to see an importance in that, to put his money into it, that's huge. He's seeing you know, what can we do in the golf world to better the experience of the next generation, to open doors for the next generation and those who are currently here? He's mm -hmm. doing that. I applaud Charles Howe. And there are companies out there that are putting money where their mouths are. Lexus being one of them. 
Lexus actually put money out to grow the game. They're funding, you know, minority players to 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 have persons to play for across the country. You know, I'm also going to applaud Farmers Insurance. I applaud Mr. Daly for giving some players an opportunity to actually have some discretionary income for two seasons so they can chase their dream. You know, I was listening to um, the Other Side of the Ball podcast with Bo Van Pelt and Pharrell Evans. And Bo, Bo Van Pelt was talking about, you know, had it not been for the members that knew him at his club, that all put up a certain amount of money to where he had this kitty of money to, to help him, you know, play for tournaments and travel, he would have never, never made it to the PJ Tour. And the question is, is where are those folks for our minority and, and black and brown players? Where are those pools of money? Where are those? There's the access to wealth. There's definitely a gap there of opportunities missed based on what community you grew up in, what community you're connected to, country clubs, you know, of, of knowing the right people who are willing to put up the it's It's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's a horrible investment. Like, let's just be, look, look bullshit yes. aside, investing in a professional golfer is the dumbest thing you can spend money on. Yes. There's, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no potential ROI. There's no measurement for how you're going to get your money back it's might as well ball up money and throw it in a well but if you have the ability and you have the compassion and you want to see some things change there are some guys out there that do need some assistance and for the folks that have helped i i had help you know i had a group of folks give me a certain amount of money that that put me in a position to, to travel the world a little bit I just wasn't as good as some other guys out there. <laughs> I mean, it's hard out there, and that's why it does take support. There's such a learning curve of, and I've talked about, there's such a learning curve of playing professional golf, whether you have the support or not. Obviously, having a little bit of cushion financially helps the comfort of being able to just play and focus on golf, but it's hard, and it is a huge ask to have these people put money into because they're not going to get it back. Um, they, but they, could. Able, they could. They could. They could. For what sure. What happened if you had an equity play in Tiger Woods when he first got started? Oh, right? Buy five percent Tiger Woods for twenty five thousand. That's the oh, best man. investment you could ever make. That's right? so true. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas. Yes. Great investments. Yes, and, and that's the thing. Like you never know. So you just have. To, if someone just has the opportunity, who knows what they can do with it? So I'm hoping. You know what, what Charles Howell is doing. People are seeing that. Um, hopefully it will cause a ripple effect of people paying attention to tours like the Advocates Tour, um, paying attention to minority golf or just any group, like whether it's girls golf, minority golf, of just giving these kids, these professionals, opportunity. Like you look at like a Bryson DeChambeau or Ricky Fowler, when those guys came out of college, they got six exemptions in the PGA mm. Tour. They got six exemptions to like to play. Okay, yes. Bryson won the USAM. I get it. I'm not hating on him. I'm just using him as a... As a, as a mm -hmm. um, you know, a person to, 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 I'm not hating on Bryce. I'm just using him as an example. You know, Jordan Spieth had six exemptions coming out as a, as a, as a junior golfer. Look at a guy like Tim O'Neill. Tim O'Neill is 47 years old. He's been chasing the tour since he was 20. He's had multiple decades of sustained exemplary golf. And he's played in two, maybe three tour events. So if you give this guy an exemption, he's going to, he's going to learn from that event to be better for the next event. But he's only getting a chance every four to five years to play in a tour event, right? Like, how is that supposed to prepare someone? And this is this goes for white and black and brown. Anybody, and, yes. You know, wherever country, color, creed. This goes for everybody. How are you going to be an aspiring professional golfer? And even if you are at the top of your game, you get you do get one or two events, but they're ten years apart. How the hell are you supposed to make it? 
I mean, it, it's really hard. I mean, I can speak from experience of my first exemption I received my senior year of college, and I played horrible. <laughs> Um, I don't think I made a cut until I actually did get my LPGA Tour card and I had received maybe two or three sponsor invites, but I wasn't comfortable. I had so much to learn. I had media attention on me. How do you deal with that? Um, There's a lot of just getting used to that environment that it does take. I mean, yes, the one week, it's a great opportunity. You learn so much, but to actually get out there and, and play freely, it does take I think more time and and that's that's what you need to give to these these professionals you know what and i think along those lines too shy like we have to give everyone at this current era in this current moment a little time i need time yeah. to process what all's going on um everybody you know law enforcement politicians coaches you know doc seeing doc rivers you know move to tears yesterday just i mean that choked me up yesterday you know and i think I think time is going to be critical in this moment, but I think everybody's got to listen. And yes. I do applaud Maurice Allen for, for going live and allowing the people that disagreed with his comments to have a moment with him where they could talk face to face by welcoming, welcoming them into the live. I thought that was amazing. You know, and what, how powerful is that Cheyenne? I said some shit that you didn't agree with, but yet let's, let's talk about it. Let's commence in conversation to see if we can find some common ground. I think that's the biggest thing to take from all of this. Um, no matter what, you know, obviously there's a lot going on right now, but we're not all going to agree on everything. But it's so important that we can listen to each other, sit down, have a conversation, just to better understand where you're coming from, where I'm coming from, find common ground, and hopefully create a way that we can progress from this in a better way. Shine this week on Let's Get Technical for Birdies Not BS. I want to talk about, we did an episode on it, but I still think I, I need to touch on it here, Shy, is, is the ability to stick with it. And it's not, that's, that trait in golf is one that will never go away. So getting it early as you're a beginner is something that's going to sustain you through your golfing career. So perfect topic. I wish we had maybe a little bit more time to talk about it because a great example of this is last week's winner of the Women's British Open, the AIG British Open, Sophia Popoff. She's been playing. She had no LPGA Tour status, Symmetra Tour. She's been battling Lyme disease for years and years. She stuck with it, came out of nowhere, won the British Open. Her comments were she believed in herself. She knew she was capable. She loved what she was doing. She had a great team around her. And she pushed through no matter what was going on. Like whether you're a beginner, whether you're a professional, love what you're doing, know why you're doing it, have good people around you, and just stick with it. You know, it's funny. I read the I read it, something that she said she almost gave the game up. She, like yes. this time last year, she's about to quit. Yes. And as people are starting the game and coming in the game, you know those those folks that that are brand new, listen to that story. Go back and and, and save everything from the Women's British Open this year because. You are going to experience that on a way more major level. Can I say that? Way more major? Mm -hmm. I don't care. On a way more major level. Because you're going to have moments where the ball's just not going in the air. You're trying to hit it left. It's going right. You're trying to hit it up. It's going down. And you're going to want to throw the club, cuss. You got to stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. it. Um, One more quick thing about Sophia. I love her. I got to know her. I've gotten to know her really well. She was caddying for Ann Van Dam three weeks ago. 
And that just goes to show, give somebody an opportunity. You know, she earned her way into the British, no status, went out there and won three weeks after caddying. Give someone the opportunity, stick with the game, and who knows where it will take you. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Bernie's not BS. Cheyenne, uh, as always, you know, we go unscripted here. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more banging-ass content. But, hey, Bernie's not BS.com. Bernie's not BS on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And get those comments in and holla at us because we'll be here. Bye.